What the fuck's up, folks? <clears throat> Got one for you. This is called, uh, Our Bill of Rights is the Constitution. And, uh, like all my posts, you know, just inspired by Cora, and I fucking go all over the place. <clears throat> the Bill of Rights wasn't just added at the end willy-nilly, right? After spending lots of time and ink selling this new form of government to the people who will be governed by it, these were people who were Virginians, New Yorkers, and the like. They loved and respected their individual states much more than any idea of a unified monostate. Even after writing pamphlet after the next, provided by Hamilton and Madison mainly, called the Federalist Papers, followed by the Anti-Federalist Papers, penned in part by Patrick Henry, this very good, slow-moving debate was taken in by the country at large. In the end, the Union appealed to the people, but the worry of federal tyranny was very real and well-founded. So they drafted the Bill of Rights to entice the hardliners and put to ease the idea that the feds could even be tyrannical. Hindsight makes the electorate of then stand out to their modern counterparts. Yeah, big time. The early Americans were smart, skeptical, and far more involved with the workings of state. Yeah. If we today happen to be given a new government, it would just be passed in, by fiat and imposed upon us. We would, it would never even question. They would just fucking put us. They, they, like they're doing now. I don't know what you could call the government we live under now, but it's not constitutional. <clears throat> For instance, if the U.S. Constitution had been suspended and the country was living under martial law, the government would be wiped out back then. These well-read and wise commoners were able to see the loopholes in the body of the Constitution, holes that really don't exist, but there were plenty of specific prohibitions on power that were demanded before allowing for the ratification attempt to even begin. Okay, so the Bill of Rights is not just, it wasn't added to the Constitution. It was a part of the original Constitution before the people ratified it, okay? So... I don't, yeah. Mm -hmm. Looking at this amazing legal document, in the context it was drafted, we see that the Bill of Rights, will, while called amendments, were actually the crucial component that got this government started. Without the Bill of Rights, we might still be governed by the original Articles of Confederation. I think we'd have been better off had Madison and Hamilton been less successful in selling their own pet project. And the Union was a pet project of a certain wing of the founders. Even Jefferson was mixed. And he gave us the Declaration of Independence. So uh, I'll take the, I'll take the de Declaration over the fucking Constitution any, any day. He was a Virginian of very high status in his home state. He was conflicted by the slavery question, the balance of power among the states against each other, and then between the new federal state. Okay, so Jefferson had his reservations about the Constitution, but eventually became a supporter of it. Jefferson was a very practical man that was way more of a statesman than we've seen in centuries. Sending him off to France while the Constitutional Convention took place comes off as convenient for the Federalists. Luckily, we the people were fanatical about everything, religion, religion government, and property rights. Fanaticism in these respects is no vice. It's the health of a nation. Their role in government might as well be the heartbeat of a nation. As the people fell away from their duties, the feds gained, 
untested intrusions into the very lives that they, be- they were promised never to touch. The federal government promised never to touch the lives of individual citizens. The feds were, quote, chained down by the Constitution. That's how Jefferson put it. He also gave us the ultimate trump card, nullification. JT started developing this legal precedent as a representative for Virginia. He expounded upon his original ideas and said it would be much preferable to have a union by choice and common interests than to ever hold a state by force. He considered it wholly immoral for a union of force to exist at all. Too risky for any single body to monopolize law, money, and enslave the states that created the monster. That's the real deal with the Constitution, folks. We should refer to the, quote, original Constitution and make no distinction between the final amendments and the rest of the document. These were a part of the document prior to the ratification, so even calling them amendments instead of original clauses is deceptive. It comes off like something that was added afterward, not the very necessity to get the people to adopt it at all, right? For myself, without the Ten Amendments, I would have been an anti-federalist, hardcore. We hear about how inferior the Articles of Confederation were, but rarely do I hear anyone that can tell me why. It's also a current legal document. Yeah, folks, every fucking document that we have passed going back to the Declaration of Independence still stands as a document unless it's been expressly nullified, and it's never been. So, we're actually governed by, like, three documents. The Declaration, the Articles, and the Constitution. Um, We, yep, yep. Our legal system began with the Declaration, which is a law like any other. It was not replaced by the Articles of Confederation. So, were the Articles made null by the adoption of the Constitution? No. It's simply a layer upon which the foundation is the founding documentation, the found, the Declaration. Just because the Constitution claims to be the supreme law of the land doesn't annul the previous law. If it did, we wouldn't be a union at all. And we, we run into a, a weird little chicken and egg thing here. Um... If it did, we wouldn't be a union at all, right? The original compact was the Declaration. Without this, the following contracts are frauds that have no effect in law. That, and that's people. Anglo-Saxon tradition is a tradition of law. So we, we are fucking... We have like OCD about the law. Everything's got to be down to the letter of the law. But that's a good way to live. By law, not by men. Right? The states acquired their nation status through treaty, and it was through 13 separate treaties, recognizing all 13 prior colonies to be sovereign nations. This is the foundation of the fact of states' rights, of which the last two very short amendments make very, very fucking plain, and protects through contract they made it plain. If it's not in enumerated power through the text, it's not a federal consideration, straight up. If that wasn't strong enough, they capped it with the almighty tenth. This is just a matter of factly written to be understood by any English reader. All powers not mentioned by this contract remain the business of the states only and the people respectively. This was a requirement before any sovereignty was going to be ceded to a central power, period. Had they taken the prescient Patrick Henry's view, we'd be unrecognizable from what we are today. Since this great man 
all but moved the world with his famous and spine-tingling liberty-or-death speech, I would have been a fucking Henry fanboy, big time. <clears throat> Virginians were just like the best fucking Americans. I love Adams as well, but the people of Virginia were special. Hell, so were the rest. The Puritans of Massachusetts, the Quakers from Pennsylvania, Virginian coal miners, and the intellectual center of the Enlightenment. New York, a Dutch colony that was acquired diplomatically and was quickly the industrial powerhouse of the colonies. I could admire the states for days and write books on each and every one of them. The history of the states is far richer than that of any so-called American history. <laughs> the formative decades that shaped the political landscape was fairly chaotic, full of differing interests, and from the beginning there was an antag antagonism between the North and the South. Any outside observer, and many of the people of the time, would have known that forcing the same laws on all states would cause a civil war or a tearing up of the Union. The contentious slavery question threatened to kill the Republic before it began. The final draft was a hard compromise as it was, a compromise seen as one-sided towards the North at the expense of the South. Then there's the most obvious problem with centralized authority over a diverse and independent collection of sovereign states. The broad difference in labor practices, property rights, religious preferences, and fierce independence that was shared by all states. The slave question destroyed the country. Adopting the use of imported chattel slaves was the legacy of the crown, and it's the reason we are doomed after the horrid war among the states. The, quote, reconstruction, disenfranchisement, and constant moralizing from the racist, exploitative, and openly hostile North, this was their reward for fighting the most honorable, dedicated, and outmanned, and totally outfunded war for independence. Lincoln can say whatever the fuck he wants while the Union was getting spanked for a solid two years. Rebellion or civil war? It was neither. The Confederates wanted their fucking state sovereignty returned, and they drafted their own constitution, military, and printed their own currency. This was a revolution in the same moral righteousness and causes for, fought for by their fathers. These were the children of the revolution. They worshipped Washington and Jefferson, and they loved the Union. It's just a matter of a failure to abide by the contract. Okay, so they, they were in the right uh, the Union took the foundation of the Southern economy, and they exploited it. They tried to entice violence from slaves, and generally treated the South like bumpkins and less sophisticated as the industrial and filthy North. This is so fucking true. This lasted for decades, and untold attempts at remedy. The race to make states choose slaver-free, as, you know, the Western states developed... Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. The race to make states choose slave or free was a race to war. Why? Because of the balance of power for the national legislature. This period should have been a fucking huge red flag, and they should have been talking about secession far before the 1860s. Since the feds centralized power, the natural tendency for cliques and, and the seduction of power was already tearing the country apart. The idea that a slave society and a free labor society 
can be governed effectively by the people of these polarized populations is beyond naive. It's obviously going to cause deeper divides and less leeway from each other for self-governance. Well, it's certainly different. Look at what the LDS church went through to live slightly odd marriage customs. <laughs> the Puritans banned Quakers from Boston. These guys were not woke, and diversity was no strength to them. The states had such unique customs, prejudices, and norms for special or social interactions. You know, Southern hospitality was real. I would give my right arm to live in the antebellum South. I've always loved the U.S. South. I'm a Californian, but a Yankee? I am not. I would have refused Lincoln's draft. I would have been calling Lincoln a, di a, di a dictator since he was uh, prosecuting a criminal military invasion on his own countrymen. Then, when he couldn't whip the men, he gave shit-faced Sherman full immunity to bring, quote, total war to the women and children of the South. This was unprecedented, even by the Brits, people. Independent acts of barbarism happened by the British soldiers. Never would it be made policy to abandon the fight and attack the very things men fight for, women and children. Lincoln threw hundreds of years of well-established rules of war out the window. These were developed over the constant warfare of Europe. These rules can be said to be the difference between honorable contest and barbaric conquest, more akin to a Muslim raid than a fight among Europeans. How many southern bells were raped? How many slaughtered by their slaves, raped to death by blacks of whatever status? Sherman's march to the sea that's just so amazing to military historians and so innovative to all that witnessed it, well, it's a national fucking disgrace, man. Worse than any Holocaust because he committed it upon his own. Lincoln arrested reporters, private detractors, senators, and even a Supreme Court justice. This man shredded the Constitution to, to preserve the union that the Constitution relied upon. He used force of character to destroy federalism and murder maybe a million of the nation's best young men. Then, to be allowed back into the citizenship that was their birthright, they were forced to take an oath to the District of Columbia. They had to, they had to then allow northern reformers to upend their society and plunder all the while they were at it. They were disenfranchised from national representation for decades. These men of honor were treated to northern aggression. The war was at least within their control. After offering surrender, they were respected by Lincoln, but no other northern politician. Lincoln famously had the band play Dixie in respect to the honorable foe that the South proved to be. He wanted the South to be brought back into full friendship as fast as possible. Too bad he was surrounded by fucking vindictive and hateful tyrants just licking their chops at the chance to inflict pain upon their own people. His death was no gift to the South. No, 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 no. The actor that capped him was far more likely a conspiracy of northern construction, a false flag to bring hatred and violence to the people who were hurt by this and not the benefactor of this assassination. Not at all. You know, the South did not fucking benefit from Lincoln's assassination. Lincoln was the South's best friend. Lincoln, regardless of his crimes during the war, was the South's best friend. He was happy to see the southern states repatriated and wanted them given easy relief from what could be called treason. He was willing to take their word. 
his successor preferred a much more aggressive approach. If you lived in the South and all of a sudden you were surrounded by a million wild cards, you might get a little jumpy. Then there's the all-but-forgotten black terrorist attacks. Oh, you've never heard of black violence during the 20 years or so following this record set of bloodletting? Can't imagine why. I can't imagine that there would have been a case of, or many cases, of black revenge. It, it gave cause and motivation to the KKK. The terrorism was treated properly. Those caught even considering violence were publicly hung. This wasn't sadistic sport. It was a measured response to a hostile population. Abandonment by half of the fucking country and the fear of the well-being of their loved ones. I'd have done the same fucking thing. <laughs> the 1800s needs to be studied and properly recorded in our history. It is recorded, but in scattered works that are disappearing with time. Our textbooks are so anti-American that we still harp, harp on slavery 150 fucking years later. And after a million white lives have been spent against it, right? So, how fucking much more do we have to do? The racial harmony? <laughs> Non-existent. Not now, not then, or anywhere in between. It's been one problem after the next. Now California is a mere months, from, months away from giving black Californians reparations checks. A free state that was almost totally free of any blacks until the fucking 50s is about to pay them hundreds of thousands apiece. A population that arrived in the 50s and were already so fucking pissed off by 1964, they caused the worst riot in U.S. history, the Watts riots. California is the home of, quote, white flight. Just look at L.A. and San Francisco, two of the nation's most beautiful cities and prosperous beyond all belief. The demographics changed due to wonderful diversity like Watts, the hippie movement, and Black Panther stronghold in Oakland. And now, with a couple hundred thousand ducats, the suburbs are about to be destroyed as well. Gotta love that shit, man. My tax dollars are going to destroy my precious suburbs. <laughs> because... California, right? The first major violation of our federalist system exploded into the bloodiest conflict in U.S. history. Then, the oligarchy of gangsters took out the one personality that could have healed the country. That being Lincoln. Then they completely sabotaged us and polarized our people for all time. Today, it's a given fact that blacks are far more violent than whites. I'm sure that the southern people noticed this. Were any of the awful pictures forced into my young brain even illegal? You know, when I was shown just picture after picture of fucking white dudes standing around hanging blacks with no context other than the picture? No. I don't know. I have no idea if they were even illegal. They show white men standing around hanging blacks. It doesn't provide context at all. Like, quote, the result of a horrific rape and murder case, unquote. You know, something like that might give me some context. That would make the white men seem very honorable. Without any context, they just look psychotic, right? <laughs> At least that's how it came off to my young eyes. So we've been rewriting history as it happens. We all know the KKK was a large and respected organization until it wasn't. In the 1920s, some two million Klansmen were on the rolls and many marched down D.C., 
The last Democratic Democrat politician to be an ex-Klansman died just a mere 10 years ago or so. Obama spoke to his honor and service to the country. His name is Bird. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you the straight truth, man. Uh, Ex-Klansman, Democrat, fucking politician, and Obama was all about it. He went to his fucking funeral. Uh, what a loopy mind I have. Even when, I, even when writing, I have no ability to remain on topic. To me, everything connects, and there's a logical path to all of my detours through a well-thought-out answer. I'm not retarded, just trying to answer questions that tend to offer more questions to the to answer as I go. I also write like the great Hemingway. Not, not as great as Hemingway. <laughs> I just, you know, maybe the shit-faced part. I just stream and edit after. This gives myself an unbroken stream of consciousness that I can run, just run with. Then if I'm unhappy with any part of it, I can edit it before post. <laughs> In final examination, we need to take the original Constitution as it was ratified. There's no good reason to separate the Bill of Rights from the Constitution. It was a package deal, or no deal. The Ninth and Tenth are the absolute proof of supremacy. The U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land only in matters of their enumerated powers. But in all other matters, the feds are subservient to the states. The supremacy clause is not absolute. It's reliant upon good faith by the parties to the contract. Faith that has been lost on the feds for at least a century now. No IRS in the Constitution. They don't work for the fucking treasury either. They are a foreign agents employed by the IMF. Just as our currency is a global and private scheme, so too is the income tax that's expressly forbidden in the Constitution. The feds are prohibited from any direct tax on the people. Any tax that is progressive, all taxes, are legally bound to be based upon the census and apportioned among the people equally. Taxing the act of working was illegal. Installing a labor tax and using your own success to gauge the level of tax owed is so fucking offensive to a free society, it didn't come close to state ratification. Three quarters of the states have to ratify amendments to the Constitution. I believe the legislature in D.C. passed it. There's no reason to believe that the states would. In fact, you'd have to be a fucking idiot to think this would be, ever even be accepted by three quarters of the American people in 1900. Come on, folks. When they were 90% white, 100% Christian, and lived by private property and free labor, this would have been called slavery by those of the time. The whites that have been, had been through so much making so much, you know, making black labor free would never make themselves part-time slaves under any condition. Certainly, they'd be incapable of believing that we accept an effective tax rate of around 50 fucking percent of our labor. They'd just laugh at us and refer to us as pathetic slaves and pathetic people. They'd certainly disavow us and feel ashamed of what has become of their ultimate sacrifices. They'd see our addiction with entertainment, drugs, and our hedonism for what they are, the decadence that ends empires. These men knew Rome and admired her greatly. They surely knew of her fall and the reasons thereof. They might not be so, so surprised by our current demise as I first thought. The Protestant work ethic was the opposite of the decadence of Rome. The Amish have kept true to their faith and culture, and they are the smartest, healthiest, and most self-governed among us. These religious fanatics were the norm in the 1800s. The country was soundly Christian. 
The denominations numbered over a thousand, but all Christian. The founders thanked God for the blessings they achieved. John Adams, our second president, was a very pious man. Society will always have elites, always have a natural hierarchy of merit, if not hierarchy of force. The founders were the most unique elite class in human history. These were all comfortable men of status and means. They put their fortunes, honor, and property on the line and signed and sealed and delivered their challenge to the most powerful human being on earth. Then they saw it through and to the end. Many lost homes, their lives, and the, the lives of loved ones. Today we allow them to be slandered as spoiled slavers. <clears throat> Massachusetts was the first successful colony. It exploded and made itself a major commercial hub over a few decades. They allowed women to vote before 1800, I believe. They were very diplomatic with the neighborhood Vic Indians. They were only forced into one uh, retaliation raid after uh, one retali retaliatory strike after a raid murdered many innocent people out of the blue. They pulled themselves together and went out and wiped out a tribe that wasn't very liked anyways. After that, they were pretty much conflict-free until they were drugged into the French-Indian Wars. So, no slaves, no genocide, and no oppression for the ladies. Where does this most important history fit into the current narrative? It doesn't. It actually refutes the current narrative, so it's buried. Why are we being constantly slandered for the exact points of national pride so celebrated by we the people? Have we been so brainwashed to see our whole past as one long stain upon the earth? Even when so much of the, of the world still wants nothing more than a chance to get here? This isn't normal among any other people, folks. Only whites and American whites are the leader in self-loathing. You think the Chinese teach their children to hate the wicked, the CCP? Anything about the commie revolution and Mao's ruthless use of starvation against his own? I'm sure they do not. I'm sure they are propagandized to love the CCP. They do so by omitting the evil and inventing positive history to make their kids proud of their country. I don't want to propagandize American kids with anything. I would like them to learn about the country, both good and bad. They, the founding should still be revered, celebrated, and the men of the time should be heroes, not villains. Okay? Slavery shouldn't even be brought up until high school. The kids should be proud of their country before you start detailing our mistakes. Treating this topic as if it's an easy matter and should even been, even and should have been an obvious evil to all people at all times is asinine. If we could, you wouldn't find a single American that wouldn't wish to go back before the first African indentured servants were brought by a Dutch ship, then refuse them and keep the existing law that forbid chattel slavery. Just imagine the peace we'd have today if we had somehow avoided the short-term profit of importing a couple million Africans into our country. We had a chance to resettle them after the war. Why we didn't can be chalked up to northern aggression. Now that they've found themselves ghettos in every big city in the Union, this is just poetic justice. As with the illegals being bussed to New York, the bo bossy, self-righteous idiots are getting a tiny taste of the hell that exists at the border. D.C. is suing. New York is going to spend more tax dollars to virtue signal. To who? I have no idea. When blacks invade a progressive town, whites run. Detroit was 
2.5 million people in 1955. By 1970, like half the whites left. Now this massive city that can house 2.5 million people has a population of around half a million. This is the starkest example of hypocrisy and reality versus utopian idealism. Whites can't fly anywhere anymore. Thanks to the forced integration, the open invitation for anyone to come in and enjoy our services, and the anti-white quota system, and so much more, leaves whites less and less option to disassociate with criminals, foreigners, and the gangs and violence that they come with. White people deserve a place in this country, a place for white people, white history, white customs, white religion, and white pride. A place to hold true the history that actually built this country before it was lost through sabotage. If not, I wouldn't want to be the focus of the building rage. The country has been simmering for some time. We're about to boil over, and who knows what happens when we get pushed too far. Americans are famous for taking it until they aren't. Then we have a reputation for going overboard a little bit in our re overreaction. We are getting close to that reaction. Keep pushing and you'll regret it like you never knew you could. And that's... uh. Yeah, sorry for the hoarse voice, but uh, there's a long, kind of a long article. I got I got a bit wordy. Uh, Living-California.com. Uh, donations are gladly accepted. Y'all take care.